News, politics, and special guests with a Texas twist. That's the goal of the Luke Messias Show. Our nation and state are at a crossroads, and if you're not informed, you're not equipped to make the change our community needs. Join the conversation and join the cause for liberty today. Welcome to episode 153 of the Luke Messia Show. Today I am joined by the editor of Texas Scorecard, Brandon Waltons, who is honestly been quite upset at me for some time for not coming on the show. So we'll get to the bottom of some of his insecurities. And we'll also talk about Americans for Prosperity, the Libre Initiative, how pro-amnesty forces have decided to try to involve themselves in GOP primaries. Texas Scorecard is the one who kind of led on this story and broke it. And there's been some aftermath that has come about. So we're just going to have a conversation. Brandon, thank you. Uh, I know you've rejected several of my past invitations. Never, to come on. never, and you know we both we both obviously have shows that are on Texas Scorecard. This true. is a little bit of a Flintstones meet the Jetsons moment. Yep. Yep. Uh, I know I've had you on the headline you for sure, and so it's nice to number finally be be brought in. Well, look, I mean, I think you've had me on to bring relevant information, and it wasn't until recently I realized, wow, Brandon is bringing. <laughs> Brandon's doing this. We got to make this happen. So, uh, no, I appreciate it. Uh, you wrote a couple weeks ago. I want to give um, our listeners some some kind of context. So Americans for Prosperity and the Libre mm-hmm. Initiative, um, two organizations primarily funded by the Koch brothers and probably other donors that are kind of aligned with them, um, have had a presence in Texas for quite some time, came out with this huge announcement which is something that they have not done in the past, saying we're going to spend a million dollars in GOP primaries and we're going to help primarily seven Republican candidates. They listed these seven Mm -hmm. candidates that they were going to help. And um, the the truth is that the Libre Initiative and AFP for a long time have held immigration views that are completely antithetical to Mm -hmm. conservative orthodoxy, which is just a a general view that um, the way we – uh, and in fact, they clarified, I guess we'll read that statement mm-hmm. at some point. But the, the way they promote the rule of law is that you take everyone here illegally and you make them under the law. So now mm-hmm. they're following the rule of law. And so they have these this amnesty plan. Um, and the Texas scorecard wrote about that and kind of tell us from from that point, you found this and what what was the aftermath? Yes, yeah, so that, that was interesting. I mean, this was the first time that I can remember seeing where they actually put a dollar amount. They said in these Texas state legislative races, we're going to be giving money. Uh, to this slate of candidates. They had three candidates in the Senate and four candidates in the House that they gave these endorsements to. And so uh, we just wrote about it, said, you know, essentially, I don't think people really know. Uh, Some people know about AFP. They maybe have seen them. Uh, Libre Initiative, I think, probably less so, less less notable. Um, And, you know, like, okay, let's go look at their website. Well, you go to their website, I mean, immediately you can see that, okay, they're talking about some stuff that I think we would agree with, things like free markets, and things like that. You you go down, you realize, oh, okay, this is actually kind of the centerpiece of this is their immigration policy, which yep. is uh, it literally using the language of the left, talking about let's uh, give legal status to dreamers, right, kids who are brought here. Uh, but not even that, saying that, okay, well, people who are already here, we need to find a, a legal pathway forward for them. I mean, these are these are terms that you know, as conservatives, we look at and we we know what that means, right? That's mm-hmm. amnesty. Uh, I think a lot of people were surprised to see some of this language coming from a group like Americans for Prosperity. Um, normally, you see the sort of argument from Democrats, right, for open borders or for amnesty, and, and we know that's you know generally about maybe increasing the voting populace mm-hmm. for them or for some other reasons. This is sort of the example of that big business kind of cheap labor 
proponents of, yes. of, of illegal uh, of illegal immigration. So that's what you're actually seeing here. They put out uh, those endorsements. I don't know. Do you want me to read off uh, perhaps uh, some of those those endorsements? Pete, Flo- let me see if I remember them correctly because yeah. it was Pete Flores, Mays Middleton, um, Tan Parker, Adam Blanchard, Laura Hill, mm-hmm. Laura Hill South Lake, Adam Blanchard, San Antonio. These are now state house seats. Um, Hayden Pageant. Yes. Uh, I'm missing what? One? Uh, Kronda Timich. Kronda. Yep. Yes. Kronda Timich. She's from Denton County. Yes. Right? Okay. Yes. And so you had those, those three Senate candidates, those four House candidates. Obviously, when we wrote about it, we tried to do this at Texas Scorecard. Is we also reached out and said, "Hey, essentially, do you want to comment on this?" Right. All, yeah. all the all these uh, these people that are endorsed. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you've worked campaigns, and sometimes it happens that, that organizations yep. you receive an endorsement that you didn't necessarily ask for. Right. So, we'd love to get their perspective on it. Um, I'll tell you. At first, we got only one response. And that was from uh, former state senator Pete Flores, who's trying to make a return to the chamber. Um, this this election, who essentially gave a statement that sort of sort of said, I support the rule of law and kind of left it at that. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, fast forward a few days um, and I don't know, you know, I, I'd love to know what happened behind the scenes during that weekend. Yeah. Uh, but all of a sudden, uh, just one after the other, um, you had all three of the candidates that were endorsed for the Texas Senate, Pete Flores, Mays Middleton, Tan Parker, all releasing statements within minutes mm-hmm. of each other, a lot of them using the same language, essentially saying, we did not solicit this endorsement, we don't want it, we reject it, and we stand for, you know, we stand against uh, uh, the illegal immigration that we're seeing on Texas's southern border. Uh, they all said that in different ways. And so I think a lot of people looked at that and said, you know, good, okay, sort of waiting now for the House candidates, yes. right? There's those four House candidates uh, who were endorsed by the organization to follow suit. And yet there's been quite a bit of silence since then on that. Yep. So the three Senate candidates, two of them are actually represented by Alan Blakemore, uh, Pete Flores, Tam Parker, and these uh, gentlemen are very close to Lieutenant Governor, as Mm -hmm. is Mays Middleton, who's running, uh, has already been endorsed by Lieutenant Governor. So all three of these candidates have support from Lieutenant Governor, a Lieutenant Governor who has been of the big three of the speaker, the governor, lieutenant governor, lieutenant mm-hmm. governor is the most outspoken on the immigration issue from the beginning. I remember when Dan Patrick asked, um, said we should start building the wall years ago and Abbott mm-hmm. opposed him uh, back when Trump was president because Congress wouldn't fund it. And Abbott said, no, I don't want to spend the money. And uh, so he's had these positions to counter to Abbott for a while. And he clearly there's probably some working on the Senate side to say, hey, we're mm-hmm. squashing this mm-hmm. This is not gaining any traction whatsoever, and the senators come out. All four of the state rep candidates have still yet to say anything, correct? Still, yeah. As, as we sit here right now, Adam Lanch, uh, Blanchard, Laura Hill, Hayden Padgett, and Kronda Timich have not commented one way or another uh, on this endorsement, at least a Texas scorecard. Uh, keep in mind, right, we, we talked about this at the beginning. The organization had said they're willing to spend a million dollars on these yeah. races. So they their their share went up, right? They, yeah, they're up to like gonna, a quarter million apiece. Yeah, if you if you lead in with the thought that perhaps this is gonna be split evenly, well, you know, the the last person standing wins the pot on yeah. this, right? Um the most interesting development in this though, Luke, I think, was you know, you had those Senate candidates reject this endorsement. 
which I think people need to understand, uh, you know, this isn't just some random organization. Like I yes. said, people may not have heard of the Libre Initiative, but they have heard of the Koch Network, right? They have uh, – a lot of folks have heard of Americans for Prosperity. Yes. These are groups that have poured a lot of money into races, uh, not just in Texas, but operate um, uh, across the country. Yep. For them to reject those endorsements was a pretty big statement. And yes. so it was interesting then to see the reply from the organization and frankly i thought just based on you know we've we've done similar things before my expectation was that they would say this was all based on misreporting we're not for amnesty yep. uh we don't know what this is about and leave it at that instead they actually doubled down on it. i mean yep. literally in their statement they said we're disappointed to see these candidates you know uh, uh withdraw their support for us um we, all we want to do is create an – I'm literally using their words here – create an earned pathway to legal status for dreamers who pass a background check, register with the government, and are either employed and are in school, uh, and, and they go on, right? Literally doubling down on their pro-amnesty yeah. positions. And then I think the cherry on top, right, was – well, we're going to withdraw our endorsements of these people, right? Who had yeah. already withdrawn their endorsements yes. before, but it's not. Uh, we're going to we're, we're taking, taking it. it too. We're yeah. taking it back. I, I did think it was funny because they um, they started out by saying, "Oh, we're we're mad that these Senate candidates accepted the false premise." Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, then you're like, "Okay, going back to your point, mm-hmm. maybe they're going to come back and say this is not our position." Yeah. But instead, the false premise is that th- they Ted. The false premise is that we supported them because of immigration. And so what they want to do is they want to operate in this bubble where they say, we support these candidates based on their positions on education, healthcare, and the economy. Mm-hmm. So we, we this big pro-amnesty group, we're allowed to come in, back a bunch of Republicans in the primary who are the, I would say, probably the more centrist Republicans in general. And, mm-hmm. and I think Mays Middleton is probably definitely uh, um, – not the centrist in, in his in his district. Even Tam Parker is not seen as a centrist by any means. No. Um, and so that's why I think the Senate candidates were quick to reject it. Their, their Senate endorsements to me just were clearly like trying to get in with people they think are going to win in mm-hmm. general. In the House, I think you go to the House deal and they're more actually focused on the moderates. Laura Hill, Yeah, Adam there's Blanchard. some more competitive races, yeah. right? In, yeah. In so the House. Senate and the House are kind of different here, but – they want to come in and say, hey, we agree on all these issues, and our position on immigration shouldn't actually affect our support. And what they're mad is that the Texas scorecard simply reporting on this made their mm-hmm. position on amnesty an issue in these races. And so mm-hmm. they are now having to come out and say, hey, this was false. Oh, by the way, let's be clear. And then they very articulately lay out why they support amnesty. I mean, like, yeah. Okay, that's fine. Um, we believe that doing nothing on dreamers is accepting the status quo and very kind of action that has impeded progress on this issue for decades. As if a bunch of Republicans are out there going like, I just can't believe we've, we haven't we have seen progress <laughs> on the dreamers. That's yeah. what I'm trying to get out of the Republican yeah. primary. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is a time when you cannot turn on the TV and not see some coverage, right, yep. of the crisis on, on, on Texas's southern border. We are, we're being invaded right now. Yep. I think I don't think the first thing on most Republicans' minds is what can we do to attract even more illegal immigration to the state and to the country. You know, this is a position, right? There's always been some faction, however small it is, of those pro-amnesty Republicans. And look, they 
they're allowed to have their organization, right? And they're allowed to endorse whoever they want. And people can reject those endorsements, and that's all fine. What can't be lost here is that, you know, you look at the Republican Party of Texas's own platform. Mm-hmm. It's in complete contradiction with this. Literally, the, the, the words from the party platform are, any form of amnesty with regard to immigration policy should not be granted, including the granting of legal status to persons in the country illegally. And you know from the history of how that's actually mm-hmm. kind of written in there was that there were forces trying to change that. And it was grassroots citizens that actually stood up and made sure to put that in there. And so I think this story serves as an example of – that we, we try to cover this you know, a lot at Texas Scorecard – an example of the divide, right, where you see between some of the professional political class – and the actual citizens, the actual people who are voting in these elections who are saying, wait a minute, this doesn't, this doesn't stand for me at all. I think that the more, uh, the more that the you know, kind of elite governing establishment forces are just talked about how they're involving themselves in the primary, clearly the less comfortable a lot of politicians are with associating with those mm-hmm. people, right? They would love to be able to take $50,000, $100,000, $250,000 from some group and then run their own campaign, and you know that the money they spend mm-hmm. is going to be spent saying they're the most conservative thing since Ronald Reagan. Um, and so it is. It's been really interesting to see the fallout, to see how this immigration issue is going to drive. Most Republican primary voters care about immigration. It's just the number one mm-hmm. issue. So, um, no, I think it's really phenomenal that the scorecard has written about it. I know that you're probably not done writing about it because it's been a number of different issues. It's going to be mm-hmm. interesting to see with the existing House candidates how much they – Embrace the Libra Initiative and AFP. Another thing that comes out of this, I think you and I have talked about this too, is that Americans for Prosperity, they signed on to that statement, doubling down on the amnesty position. And that was kind Mm -hmm. of what's interesting is this started out as a Libra issue, Mm -hmm. which ultimately is kind of seen as the sister, the brother, the kid organization with AFP tied to AFP. But AFP signed off on that position. I mean, they're now very fully out there in public saying, yeah, we also support amnesty, Americans for Prosperity. And this is an organization that two weeks ago was at the Kingwood Tea Party with Governor Abbott, Mm. you know, saying, hey, Tea Party, look at all these conservative things we're doing. And so it'll also be interesting to see how Americans for Prosperity moving forward is seen within these grassroots circles, because Mm -hmm. as of two, three weeks ago, they could evidently be invited as a, you know, to be on the main stage of a Tea Party organization. And now... They're saying, hey, we, we actually believe there should be amnesty for people in Texas while 2 million people are crossing the border. So, um, no, it is, it's going to be fascinating. What else is on your radar screen as we enter kind of the last three weeks? We probably won't have you on before Election Day. I know you're a pretty <laughs> – It'll be another couple of years probably. <laughs> okay. The point is at some point I, we should just get what we can from you now. That's all I'm saying. So uh, – <laughs> Elections three weeks away. What's on your radar? What are y'all looking at? What are you covering? You know, the biggest thing we're looking at right now at Texas Scorecard is Decision Texas, right? That is our coverage of the gubernatorial race. Uh, It's a race that a lot of the mainstream media doesn't want to act like it exists, right? They want to focus on Beto O'Rourke and and, and Greg Abbott in November, right? Well, right now we've got a governor's race that's actually pretty contentious in the Republican primary. Um, I think, you know, the next few weeks, with early voting starting on the 14th, election days on the 1st. I mean, we're in the final home stretch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think you should expect to see a lot of coverage on that race, as well as 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 well as some of these state legislative races. You know, um, a lot of those races are kind of you know you you look at uh, you look at examples like these Libre Initiative endorsees. A lot of them. 
take cues from the statewide races, mm-hmm. right? Where whereas um, the border has become a big issue in Governor Abbott's reelection race, uh, so too are people talking about that whenever these state legislative candidates are going yep. door to door. And so uh, that's that's what we're going to be keeping an eye on. Yeah, and I know a lot of the reporting that the scorecards do, and even on some of these legislative races, if y'all don't report on it, no one's reporting on it. I mean, at the end of the day, if you don't write about some debate that happened in a state legislative race, or you don't write about mm-hmm. comments made by an incumbent legislator, there's not somebody else covering it. Your local media are, you know, literally losing money hand over fist and firing people every single So if you, you can't count on the local paper to show up and actually do accurate reporting. Mm-hmm. And there's just not other people who are actually talking about the statements being made, uh, the positions being taken by these people running for office. So I do think that it'll be good for people to follow the next three to four weeks is probably going to be the most Mm -hmm. packed with actual public statements from anybody on the ballot taking any position. Are there particular races on the legislative side that you're focusing on more, at least have your eye as as like more interesting races to follow? Yeah, I'll tell you as of recent, this race uh, for House District 122, uh, San Antonio area seat being vacated by Lyle Larson, who is one of the most liberal state representatives, he's leaving, and so now it's an open seat. Uh, that one's interesting, perhaps just for the amount of money uh, we're, we're kind of seeing flow into yeah. this. Just about every yeah. candidate, I think, has six figures, uh, which is quite a bit for a state legislative seat. Uh, a lot of them are running TV ads, and there's a lot flying there, right? So Adam Blanchard, we'll, we'll use him, for example. Not only is there the Libre Initiative um, connection that he has, yep. uh, but this is somebody who's also been endorsed by Lyle Larson. Uh, this is somebody who just last year, uh, we wrote at Texas Scorecard, um, just last year held a fundraiser for a state representative who's a Democrat who then fled to Washington, D.C. Yep. Uh, during that whole debacle. I think that's a particularly interesting race. I think, um, you know, you look at some of these races where folks like uh, Kyle Cassell have uh, numerous challengers, people like Stephanie Click. The interesting takeaway on this this cycle is that while there are some seats where people went completely unchallenged, mm-hmm. um, and that's that's kind of a conversation in itself. At the same time, there are seats where I think you have more challengers than people expected, and I think yeah. that that's always a healthy thing, right? That's always a good thing when people are are running, you know, for office and keeping these people accountable because either. Uh, Lawmakers who don't support the platform, right? They potentially lose a re-election, uh, or uh, and a lot of times we've seen this. Those same lawmakers are forced to then take statements that they probably wouldn't otherwise have, right? Take positions that are more conservative than they otherwise would have, and that can be a tool that activists can use to hold them accountable during the next session. So um, th- that's that's the most interesting thing I think we're seeing right now as far as the state, uh, as far as the legislative races. No, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, so <clears throat> I know you have a lot of opinions on who we should and shouldn't have on this show, mm-hmm. uh, mainly being yourself <laughs> more often. Mm-hmm. And so uh, any other critiques you want to leave us with, you know, as we kind of wrap wrap up our conversation? Yeah, you here. just need just just a little more, you know, invite me a little more often. I know. It is bad. <laughs> it is bad. I thought – the funny thing is we started conversing and I was like, I thought I already had Brandon on. And then I was like, no, I really haven't. I really haven't had him. <laughs> we took a long time to set up. I feel like people should appreciate the camera angles here. You are, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this was this was the most advanced <laughs> camera setup I've ever done at Texas Scorecard. So I think uh, – Well, they, you, they, when I'm coming, they have to really make sure it looks oh, good. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if, if you're watching this online, you should really appreciate uh, the amount of work that many people put into making this whole setup work. Brandon, I appreciate you coming on. I think that the reporting that Scorecard did on, on this issue in particular um, – it matters because 
again, going back to rewind three weeks ago, this doesn't get talked about at Texas Scorecard. This doesn't become an issue. A massive organization that's pro-amnesty now gets to come in and talk as much as they want and no politicians even held accountable. And what we saw was immediately there were a couple politicians who were like, I want out. Right? I don't even yeah. want to be part of this. So if you'll just talk about it, I'll disassociate. And now you have one of the largest so and so, you know, so-called grassroots organizations and Americans for Prosperity publicly taking a position on amnesty. None of that would have happened. And that's one of the reasons why I think that the coverage at Scorecard is so important. So I appreciate the work you're doing as um, the editor-in-chief. And um, yeah, this should be a fun cycle to watch for the next 30 days. Absolutely. God bless you. Thank you for listening to The Luke Messias Show. This program is brought to you by Scorecard Media. Check out texasscorecard.com to read up on all things Texas. Scorecard Media has other podcasts as well. Yeah, they're not as good as this one, but you should still check them out. Honestly, though, visit texasscorecard.com to see all the content they're producing on a daily basis. If you'd like our podcast to grow, please consider subscribing to the show on whatever platform you listen on and leave a review. That helps others find the content we're producing. Thank you. God bless you and God bless Texas. Texas.